Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the Bobby Podcast. My name is Bobby Kazmaier. And for the last year and a half, I've been creating content on TikTok and through this podcast, navigating my experiences in ED recovery, what I've learned in recovery, um, how I've been able to overcome certain struggles with EDs and recovery, going through all my experiences, sharing them with you guys, because I've found a true passion for helping and inspiring others going through similar struggles I was going through with food Um, and now using my experiences and learning from them to share that knowledge with others. And I want to reiterate the fact with this podcast, I am simply sharing my own experiences. I am not a licensed nutritionist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not an eating disorder recovery coach. I'm not certified not licensed in anything. I'm simply sharing my own experiences through eating disorder recovery. Um, Through this last year and a half, I've been able to grow a following of over 200,000 people on TikTok, which to this day still blows my mind. Um, But like I said, I've been able to use my platform on TikTok to um, help others, make others feel less alone um, if they're struggling with food, or body image, or anything along those lines. And it's truly been amazing. Um, And I love this podcast, especially because I love the fact that I'm able to express what I want to say in a longer form of content. There's only so much you can fit into a TikTok or an Instagram reel. Um, Being able to just sit with a microphone and just really be authentic for 30 minutes to an hour is amazing. Uh, It's really, it's it's, it's truly great. It's awesome that I'm even able to do this. So that being said, I really hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for listening. Today, I am joined by Ava Cyruli. Ava is currently an online coach, bodybuilder, and influencer in the fitness industry. However, she is not your stereotypical fitness influencer. Ava has been brave and vulnerable enough to openly discuss the lesser talked about aspects of fitness and weightlifting on social media, specifically the bodybuilding slash yo-yo dieting to binge eating disorder pipeline. Um, In today's episode, she shares her story with several eating disorders, including binge eating disorder and orthorexia, along with her experience going keto and how it led to binging, deciding on her own to temporarily leave college to enter treatment, why tracking macros in recovery was a way for her to help her relearn hunger cues, even though tracking is generally frowned upon in the recovery space. Um, She also speaks with me on her binge eating 
relapsed this past year and and her best advice on how to pull yourself out of a relapse when it feels like you're back to square one. Um, Ava now uses her experiences in her recovery with her clients and through her social media following of, of over 40,000 across Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube after launching SciSci Lifts, who she is now the CEO of. She simply wants to help people to be seen and wants people to be seen in their struggles and to be the voice of reason for so many people in the fitness industry who could be struggling with food or body image. I think anyone who's interested uh, in the fitness industry side of eating disorders will find this episode very um, interesting, very intriguing, because um, I myself am very fascinated by um, the disordered eating, eating disorder side of the fitness industry, just because I myself am a very active person. Um, I work out a lot. Obviously, my relationship with exercise has improved a lot over the years. It used to be in a very rough place. Um, and that poor relationship with exercise led me to do things such as binge eating, over-exercise, things like that. And to know that there's someone else out there who was doing similar things as I was, such as Ava, and she is openly talking about her own struggles with eating disorders, um, yo-yo dieting, going on keto, stuff like that, um, while also being in the fitness industry and within that field. I think it's really inspiring and just really amazing that she's doing that. So that's why I wanted to have her on because I myself am so fascinated by that side of it, the fitness side of it, because um, I think, I think exercise movement, fitness, I think it's all great. Um, And, but I do think for a lot of people, it becomes obsessive and that's how um, these assorted eating habits start and spiral. And they just, I don't know, they they just kind of go insane over time. Um, and, and a lot of it, especially for guys like myself, especially we're told to keep all that inside of our muscles and not really openly talk about it and explain it and ask for help about it. So, um, that's why I want to have Ava on today because she dove into all of, all of this stuff. And it's just really, really great that she's able to do that. And she was so amazing to talk to. And I really think anyone is going to going to enjoy this episode. So I really hope you enjoy it. And thank you for listening. Okay, we have Ava here. Ava, good morning. How are you doing today? How's how's life going? It's good. I went on my hot girl walk this morning. <laughs> Had to start it off with that. And uh, yeah, it's a good day. It's a rest day, so I'm chilling. <laughs> that's funny you say that because I actually just got back from a walk myself. So that's... It's the best vibes. <laughs> I know. Saturday morning walks in the fall, August, September. Just you can't, you can't beat it. You just really can't beat it. Yeah. I just posted on Instagram like an hour ago saying like, this is the best month. Everyone get ready. Best time of the year. Yeah. The walks are immaculate. <laughs> oh my, especially like the, the evening late night ones. Oh yeah. Man, it just, it's still like, it's still like dark out or it's still light out kind of late, like seven yeah. o'clock. So it's like, uh, it's so prime. Exactly. Um, awesome. So you reached out to me like a month ago uh, via Instagram DM and you sent me a voice, a couple, couple of voice messages and uh, what you said on there was so amazing. Like you had just nothing but kind words to say. And uh, I realized we had very similar journeys, similar stories. And you mentioned that in your message you sent me and it was just so like heartfelt and just so, so nice of you to do that. Just out <laughs> of the blue. Um, and like instantly I felt like a, like a connection mm-hmm. to you and um, you know, I checked out your profile, your social media is like, I want to learn more about you. Um, and I just, I still felt that like, uh, the, the similarities were like striking and what you're doing now is like, it's absolutely incredible. Um, Thank you. you know, you're coaching, you're helping out so many people. Uh, I feel like you're, a uh, one of the 
one of the few fitness accounts uh, or one of the few people in the fitness industry who actually spread positive messages and good messages consistently. <laughs> so I feel like that's definitely Thank lacking you. in the fitness community. Um, so that's really awesome that you're doing that. And I really appreciate that. And I like, so I just had to have you come on the, the <laughs> podcast and talk some more because we've talked a couple of times before yeah. today and like, you're just one of the sweetest people. So <laughs> thank um, you so much. Yeah, of course. Um, so for those who don't know more about you or about you, uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you do? What, who, who is <laughs> Ava? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Cause there, there's a lot to it. So I'll give yeah. you like my elevator pitch. Um, I'm 21 years old, originally from New York, went to the University of Maryland and got my degree in marketing. I just graduated in May. Um, and what got me into lifting is I was a dancer for 17 years. So my major in college freshman year was not just marketing. It was double with dance. So I was always very active. Um, but after that year and stopping dance, everything kind of snowballed where I, you know, fell in love with the gym and fitness, but you know, was in a little bit of a toxic place mentally because of whether that's the college environment or my age and, and changes and all of that, um, where I developed my binge eating disorder and orthorexia. Um, I went to a treatment center and of course we can get into this more, but quickly that led me to fall more in love with lifting when I came out of treatment center as a form of a way to express self-care and, you know, self-respect and trust with myself um in like building consistency and habits that were not like detrimental to my health where they're extreme but in a positive way um and from there you know bodybuilding and now I compete and now I'm here so hopefully that answers the question yeah that beautifully said beautifully said (laughs) um that's inc- that's just amazing to hear that you you you're able to pull yourself out of the 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 rough times the dark times because you know we've yeah for you know a lot of people listening to this you know they've had either similar experiences or just similar mindsets and they, those mindsets can be really hard to get out get yourself out of I know from experience like you know it's like it's so hard to pull yourself out of um and so you've mentioned you um you've been lifting for a while and that led you down to some pretty dark paths um can you mm-hmm. kind of go into further depth of um, how fitness and exercise kind of led you to these, um, this poor lifestyle and these poor habits? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because like when discussing for me, it was like that trajectory of really wanting to lose weight. But I think like anything can be skewed in life in like a positive or negative way, because lifting now has such a positive impact on my life, but it was able to have you know, completely opposite effect on me. Um, so I think it's just the way you, you change your mindset and mentality. And I'm so big on that. So to start, um, when I stopped dancing, I was also still going out a lot in college, binge drinking, eating a lot, um, like drunk eats at night, um, (laughs) and stuff like that. And I put on a lot of weight Um, so as I started lifting, it was fun at first and then it, you know, transpired very quickly into, I want to lose a lot of weight. I am not happy with the way I look. And I want to say in general that like someone having a goal to lose weight, as long as it's in the right parameters, I think is totally fine. And I coach a lot of people in that now, but the way I wanted to do it was I decided to go keto because I was like cutting all carbs, you know, I, 
was like, oh, it's totally backed by science. I'm going to pee on this weird stick that tells me where my ketones are at. Like all of that. Like I was, I was like, yeah, this is legit. Um, and I thought it was so serious. And at the time my stepdad was doing it too. So it was like, we're going to do it together. It's fun. And I love him. Like we were both blinded by it, whatever. But you know, I, I had mentioned this to you a different time that we'd spoken. I was in my head, like, am I never going to eat bread again? Like I didn't know in the back of my mind what I was doing, but I, I thought it was going to work. And I did see weight loss at first because I dropped water weight. So I was like, oh yeah, this is working, but you know, only time will tell. And as time went on, I started feeling these urges that at the time I didn't know were urges because I, and I think so many other people was so uneducated on binge eating disorder. I didn't even know it was a thing. So binging on my roommate's Oreos in the middle of the night and then going to the gas station next door and literally just like, it became fun. It was like, how much food can I grab? And what am I going to eat tonight? And I didn't ever allow myself, which is like such a big thing in, I think, ED recovery is like that term, like allowing yourself. I never allowed myself to have any of these foods. So it was like, every single holiday in the year and my birthday combined, it was craziness. And it was that crazy dopamine, serotonin, all of that rushing to my brain. Um, which of course I was then diagnosed with binge eating disorder after opening up to my therapist more about it. Um, and also just to say like gained all the weight back from keto, it doesn't work. Like, please. Um, and that's when I decided that after a lot of begging from my parents, because I was open with them about it, um, and my therapist was still in contact with them, um, I decided to medically withdraw from school and go to the treatment center. So I'll stop rambling for now if you want to like, get into that more. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing that. That's really, that's yeah. really empowering. And I think Definitely. what you were describing is how like, you know, when you're saying when you first were binging, it was like fun. And like, you were just, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, like, it felt like a game a little bit. And yeah. I know exactly what you mean because it's like binging has like a euphoric feeling to it. Like, it's like, I think it's like, it's okay to um, like binge eating, but hate that you binge eat. Yes. Uh, like that, that describes that perfectly because like, yeah, in the moment, like you have like that dopamine rush, like you were saying that like euphoric feeling, it's all there. And then like immediately after it's over the shame, after the guilt, after that's where it's like, it sets in. Did you experience yes. that when you first started to like, like the guilt and shame after? Honestly, I think I did, but it, in my relapse, which we can go over as well, like more recently, it was definitely like tenfold worse because I am so much more educated on binge eating disorder and have recovered, quote unquote, I don't fully say I'm or like fully recovered, but recovered from it before. Um, it was that much worse because it was like, why am I doing this again? Whereas the first time around before I understood what binge eating disorder was, I, I don't know if I felt as bad because I was not aware of what it really was that I was doing. And I just thought I was being a normal college kid overeating mm -hmm. um, until it got to like really rock bottom where I didn't want to get out of bed to go to class. It was like spiraling more. Right. Yeah. I totally get that. Like, like when it, the more, the more frequently it happens, the more it consumes you and it consumes your life and your social life and yep. your school life, work life. Like it just takes over. Um, and it's one of the worst feelings in the world. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, mm -hmm. so I always say that. Literally, like I wouldn't, especially like the morning after or like the, oh my it's, God. The, it's like the post binge clarity is like. Yes, I always say that. <laughs> like, it's literally, it's through the roof and it's like one of the, yeah. the worst feelings ever. Um, so 
when did you realize what you were doing was an issue and you led that and that led you to speaking with that with your therapist and like how long did it take for that to kind of set in yeah um weight was was always something that like especially in college I was struggling with um and my therapist was noticing these restrictive habits in me when I would kind of talk about keto so she was picking up on things before I was um or me like being nervous to go out to eat and stuff like that because it was orthorexia kind of tied into there as well um and when I started to explain I would feel guilty about overeating or something I think she realized it was binge eating disorder as well um but I was in such a state of denial that I needed to go to a treatment center which I, I wouldn't even entertain the thought um, until the point where like, I just want to like trigger warning, like um, stuff, but I, I had been diagnosed with depression. So that depressive episode was getting worse and worse to the point where I was just like, not enjoying life anymore. I did not want to exist. I was like, if this is the way my life will be, because I didn't see an end for myself. I didn't see binging ending. I was like, I, I don't want to live this life, which I think in itself, was the biggest motivator um, that opened my eyes when, you know, my mom was crying on the phone with me after one of my worst binges one night. I was like, okay, I got to go home. So the next morning it was like, I literally remember it like a random Tuesday, cloudy morning in college park, Maryland. I packed up a duffel bag, hopped on a train and went home and I didn't know what the next steps were. And it was like the beginning of my uh, sophomore spring semester. But I was like, I, it, it'll work out because this is what I need to do. Um, and I think that is one of the best things I ever did for myself was accepting the fact that like, in general, my college journey was not going to be identical to the typical or like ideal journey. And that was fine because I needed to do what was best for me to heal. And I think that goes for anyone in any instance, you know, healing is the most important thing. Absolutely. And having that self-awareness like you did at, at that time is, that's awesome that you're able to kind of realize that something needed to change and you acted off impulse, it sounds like, and you just, you went yeah. home and everything, you were on the path to recovering. And that's, that's awesome. And how, how long did it take for you or how much later did it take for you to, to feel like you, you had it beat and like you were in a much better place? Yeah. Um, so I was in treatment for about two months and I did for like the details I did outpatient. So it was kind of like a school day. You would go in in the morning, you would actually eat breakfast and your lunch there. And then you would go home around like three or 4 PM. So that was five days a week. Um, and yeah, I was there for about two months and then I wasn't able to keep attending anyway, because COVID no one was allowed to go anymore. Um, but I continued to work on my own at home and in two months and I'm not like rushing it fast or whatever. And no one's ever fully recovered, but I was, I was ready to kind of like embark on the next chapter of my life or of my story, which is when I really got into non-negotiables for myself at home. Um, so just like kind of like laid out like a typical day in quarantine for me for months and months until September from April, I would say was like, I would wake up, I would go out on a walk and it could be literally anywhere from three to seven miles, but that's how I cleared my head. And it wasn't for me to burn calories. It was just it's wasting my time in a good way. <laughs> so, and I would come home, I would meditate. I would then do like a workout that I had like 12 pound dumbbells, but I loved lifting. So I would like 
do my RDLs and everything, but with 12 pounds and I would just make it work. Uh, and I was then tracking my macros, which is super interesting because some people post recovery, never do that again. And some people find like myself that it helped me relearn hunger cues a little bit mm. because I don't know if you feel the same way, but like binge eating disorder to this day, still sometimes like has destroyed my hunger cues to the point where I need to differentiate when my body is hungry and my body needs more energy versus when my, like, I just like want to eat because I still struggle with the difference. And that was huge for me still learning that, but like, that was a typical day in quarantine for me doing all those things and just falling in love with the idea of bettering myself and, and taking such deep care of myself as like almost like an apology letter to myself for what I had been putting myself through. Right. Wow. And I know I, I totally like when you when you just mentioned how like you can't differentiate between the two, like if you're actually hungry or if you're not, you can't tell yet. I 100% agree because I I myself, I'm big into not, I'm not in like the lifting community. I'm in more of like the CrossFit community. And that's, I mean, that involves lifting and like Olympic lifts and yeah. um, compound lifts and stuff like that. So I lift and I do these workouts and like, I feel like really like ravishly hungry after these workouts. And like, mm -hmm. there are times where I feel like I could just eat like the whole fridge, but it's like, I have to like, I've learned to kind of like take a step back and understand, okay, how, how hungry am I? How hungry am I actually right now? Like, am I actually, yeah this ravishly hungry or am I just like am I in that old mindset where it's like oh I just worked out a ton so I just, I like deserve to go eat a ton even though food is not yeah you, know, you don't earn food it's not you don't deserve food but like I, my old mindset's kind of tricking sometimes if I do this really tough workout yeah and I'm like starving but it's so hard to like, differentiate if I'm actually this hungry or not yeah totally for sure and that just to kind of like go off of that for me I would really still struggle with that at nighttime because some like deep part of my brain has this ingrained idea that like nighttime is when you eat fun snacks and you sit on the couch. So, like, I don't know what it is, but it's this old thought pattern that I'm now reworking where, you know, I, I, if I'm hungry, I'm allowed to eat. That's totally cool. But I have to remind myself, like, how much food do I really need to go to sleep? Like, if I want to go to sleep at night, the goal is to go to sleep. Then like, I'm totally allowed to eat if I want, like, I don't put restrictions, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't think my body needs that much more energy to get me to go to sleep. Yep, exactly. I, it's so crazy how similar we are because like I, I, a couple of years ago, I would always um, backload my calories back when I was like yeah. counting. I would like try and eat like as little as I possibly could, like high volume mm -hmm. all day. And then at night I would essentially binge because I was like, oh, I've only eaten like X amount of calories today. I can still yeah. have so many. I have so many. Oh, I, I could eat whatever I want in this window. And then like, you just feel yeah. like so physically full after and like you almost feel like mm -hmm. a point of a sickness and that, like, that literally reminds you of what a binge felt like um yeah exactly yeah. like it's it's like that same excitement we were describing where it's like so exciting to do yep. that I think it's that same mentality where a lot of people may not have an eating disorder right now but are falling into disordered eating patterns because they are doing that like I would there's a difference for me between like saving a little bit of room because I know one night I want to sit on the couch with my boyfriend and have a pint of halo top, which like I'm cool with. But like, if I, like you said, voluminous foods all day, like eating as little as possible, like I would only allow myself, there were times to have like 28 grams of oats in the morning because that's the hundred calorie pack amount. Whereas now like I eat 60 grams of oats and I, I'm like, I need more fuel. Like it was so restrictive, but, um, 
again, going off of that, if that's cool, something that's really helped me and even helps me to this day is having meals that are around the same size. Personally, like I don't try to fixate on it too much, but like a, like five to six meals a day and they're all around the same size. And I feel like I'm eating every few hours and satiating myself and checking in with myself rather than being so sporadic. And at the same time, I try to keep it intuitive, but also as a bodybuilder, I am on a meal plan right now that I've created for myself with foods that I love. And it's, it's helped a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. So you have like kind of the best of both worlds. I feel like, again, yeah. like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like your um, mindset is like, you're in a comfortable place where you can track macros but you also can apply the memories over macros mentality. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's something I am so uh, like preachy about with my clients too, is I call it and like, I don't know if I'm the, I'm definitely not the first person to say this, but I, I say it a lot, intuitive tracking. So it's like another way of saying, I guess, a flexible dieting approach. I don't like saying dieting. So you know, you have macros that you know will align with your goals, but okay, one day you're super hungry and you just want to enjoy some candy with your significant other or something. Go ahead. Like that's life. As long as you know that like these are the set goals you have and like sticking to them is something that is because you love yourself and you want to help yourself reach your goals. Um, and being perfect is, is not real and not important. Then like, that's what matters to me. Preach. Absolute <laughs> preach. That's, uh, that's incredible. So we've talked about binge eating and I know you mentioned mm -hmm. orthorexia as well. Um, yeah. Would you mind sharing your experiences a little bit with orthorexia and just for those who may not know, kind of explain what orthorexia is? Yeah. So orthorexia is um, a form of an eating disorder. And I, I would say that really narrows in on just like the obsessive, obsessive tendencies with numbers and looking a certain way. And, um, you know, you might not be restricting like anorexia or purging like bulimia, but it's just that obsession overall, I would say that's what I would call it. So with that, I think that really began with the keto diet that I put myself in. Um, and I am someone who's very much an extremist, um, and like black or white mindset, all or nothing. And that is like, something I still work on in therapy to this day. Um, and I'm very open about the fact that I take anxiety medication because it really helps me slow down my thoughts. So it allows me to live in that gray area. Um, but orthorexia is like that black and white, you know, to a T. So if I didn't weigh out every single food, then like, fuck it, I might as well binge because I'm a failure. Or uh, like literally to the point where like, you know, you'll get a case of English muffins and it says on the back serving size, one English muffin in parentheses, 57 grams. Like I know that in my head because I used to weigh it after being keto. I was still struggling a little bit. I would weigh it to make sure it was 57 grams. Cause like, Oh, if it's 61, like that's more carbs, like truly just so, so anal about it because I wanted to be perfect. Um, and when you, you know, I, I say zoom out or when you look from like a bird's eye view at all of this, those macros, whatever I was trying to hit those calories I set for myself. If I was off by like 50 to hundred, I'm not going to die. And you know, how much of the population doesn't even track macros. So it's so crazy how, how in your head you can get about these things. So that's really the way orthorexia manifested for me. Um, and also just 
body checking. And I mean, I still struggle with this for sure. Um, I also have like severe body dysmorphia, not just the way we joke about it online, but truly like you'll show me a picture of myself and I'll think I look completely different and stuff like that. So that's kind of when that began. Um, and yeah, it's, it can it manifest in different ways for different people. But for me, it was just wanting to be so, so perfect. <laughs> Thank you for that description because I think yeah. for so many like orthorexia, also like just, you know, strictly speaking, it's not as widely known of an eating disorder. Um, yeah. And because I feel like it's one of the more easier ones to not hide, but like, yeah no one really assume like you know a lot of people just assume that person just like they're a healthy person like they're just yeah like they're on top of their shit with food and like they, mm-hmm. there's nothing going on but in reality there's a whole psychological um mess going on because I, i've i've never been yeah. diagnosed with orthorexia but i like i've definitely experienced some of the similar traits and habits you dealt with like there is there have been times like where you like 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 you said like i would like barely go over like back when I would measure food, I would barely go over. Like if I were measuring like oats, for example, and if it was like three quarters, three quarter cup, and like it kind of went over the the measuring cup a little bit, I would like freak out and then like and like pick out like pieces yeah. of oats, like singular oh, pieces yeah. of oats, like because I was so nervous. But like in reality, it's like what difference is that actually gonna make? Like these these five extra pieces of oats, like is, what? Like it's so nuts how like nitpicky it can feel and it can be. And like one of the biggest um uh downfalls of it for me at least was the memories I miss out on with people and friends and mm-hmm. social events because I was like so nervous about the food that was going to be there and like it wouldn't fit in my usual plan like I I, I assumed I was going to end up binging if I went and like it, that whole piece yep. of it, it was just so often for me yeah 100 percent. and for me even something that I think a lot of people just from what I've seen on my TikTok for you page might be able to relate to was my stepdad is an incredible chef, like truly amazing. Um, and he made dinner a lot and I was living at home during, um, quarantine still. And I was post treatment, but still recovering. And he would cook with a little bit of olive oil in the pan. And if he didn't measure that, so I could track it, even if it's a bowl of vegetables for me, my stepdad and my mom, I I wouldn't eat it. I'd be like, no, you put oil in that. And that, breaks my heart like that literally breaks my heart now I I I'm like what like how like just live eat the vegetables like (laughs) crazy to me but yeah it's it's you know at one point maybe Instagram and influencers trying to be helpful teaching people how to track macros that works but then I feel like it's that taken too far where now it's like what everyone's fixating over yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, I have, yeah, if you want to track calories, track macros, I have no problem with that as long as you can do it in a, in a healthy, in a healthy way that doesn't um, cause any detriment to your life, doesn't cause you to miss out on social events, memories, doesn't cause you to become obsessive about it. That's totally fine. Like, I have no problem. Yeah. With I know, like, for me, if I, if I went back to counting calories, counting macros, I would probably go insane and I would just become way too obsessive, way too fixated on it. And it just wouldn't be the right yeah. thing for me. But like, whatever you want to do for yourself, that's, I'm all for it. I'm not going to sit here and tell someone how they should eat, how they shouldn't eat. That's just like, that's not my place. Yeah. Obviously that's no one's place for anyone. I mean, unless I don't know, you're a medical professional, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's all a subjective thing. And like, I think just having the self-awareness and recognition that if it does become obsessive, like you can stop and you can figure out something else, try something new. Um, Cause you don't want it. You don't want it to become obsessive and 
absolutely a rabbit hole no one wants to go down um so i guess switching gears a little bit so mm-hmm. you're so we're at a point now you're out of treatment right like what yeah. what, what time period are we talking about here now so <laughs> timeline i was in treatment spring semester sophomore year so that's 2020 out of treatment around april of 2020 so when most people just came home for quarantine and from then until september 2020 i was living at home doing my thing and that's when I went through my 60 pound weight loss journey that I had briefly mentioned to you. So I lost 60 pounds, self-coached, tracking macros in a healthy way um, and and loving it every step of the way. And the biggest advice that I tell my clients and tell anyone who's going on a healthy and sustainable weight loss journey is you start noticing results when you stop looking for them. So it, it stopped being about losing weight primarily. And it started being about just being consistent because I respect myself enough to adhere to my plan and my goals that I have for myself. That was literally it. And it's so crazy because I have a TikTok I posted right around then about my weight loss that blew up to the point where I still get likes on it to this day. Um, And it was me explaining how I had started this Chloe Ting ab challenge that every girl and, and maybe boys too were doing on TikTok at the time. Uh, and that, that was what started my journey. And it was like how I got abs from Chloe Tang is what I called it. And I was like, that workout didn't do shit for me. I, those were such bullshit workouts. Sorry, Chloe, but they suck. Like ab workouts (laughs) wouldn't do it for you. But what that did for me was I did one of those challenges and I kept that promise to myself every day. What was it like a, a month? And I hadn't, I don't know if I've ever done that. So just trusting myself enough to do it no matter what even the days I didn't want to that's what built the consistency that then I I got into lifting and stuff again um and and I could keep that consistency because I understood it better and it was like a crazy experience for me and I think that's why that TikTok still blows up is like this is how I got abs which I wasn't glorifying them but at the time I was lean and I had abs and I was like this is how I got these it's because I was able to stick to the plan I created myself so that's kind of that timeline and then from there that September of 2020 I did go back to school at University of Maryland to continue as a junior at school um and and yeah that that's when I created SciSci Lifts too so my Instagram which is my primary platform where I started off my social media was uh October of 2020 um and from there it just spiraled because I you know I I started just wanting to share my life it was like I want to share that I love lifting I want to talk about it I'm a talker I'm a people person I want to make friends who love this too it wasn't I'm going to be the next big thing or anything like that or I'm going to make money from this because I didn't even know how to do that at the time um but slowly I was just consistent with it and at first not because it was my job but just because it was fun to be consistent with it so then I expanded to TikTok and then to YouTube and I, I just fell in love with the ability to share things like this, share my story and then connect with people like yourself who I can relate to. But even people who would come to me in my DMs and say, you're one of the only people that has ever explained the way I feel. And that was mind blowing for me because just knowing that like I could be the voice for someone else and they like, 
won't feel crazy anymore. They feel seen or heard or not alone. That's like, God, I wish I could have had that at my start. So knowing that I'm that for someone else, or I don't know, I've had stories of girls be like, I saw that you went to treatment. So I opened up to my parents and I'm going to treatment out. Oh my God, like chills. <laughs> so yeah, I just rambled more, but amazing. <laughs> oh, you're totally good. And I know th those messages that you receive, like they literally, like they change your life. It's like, it's literally, Absolutely. it still like doesn't make sense in my brain that like mm -hmm. people like they, they can relate to like the content we put out there and like it actually resonates with them in a positive way. And like, it's, it's like the difference in them taking a, a step towards recovery. And it's like, it's so insane to me. Like it, yeah, it's, it's actually insane. Um, yeah. Totally. So you mentioned how, you know, this weight loss journey you went on and you mm -hmm. did it in a, you know, very healthy, sustainable way that you, like, it feels like, it sounds like <laughs> the less you actually focus on the weight loss itself, everything was just gravy. Like, it's just, right? Yes. Am I right? Yeah. The, like something immediately that I want to say about that is I didn't know I lost 60 pounds until much much later like I don't really have a time frame I know when I started this journey but like by the end of 2020 but I don't I don't even know the next time I weighed myself because I didn't step on a scale I know like my heaviest weight at one point because I was at like a doctor's office or no they had to weigh me in treatment and then I know you know that I lost 60 pounds from that because I know where I was lying much much later so I call it my 60 pound weight loss journey. But the thing is that I did not weigh myself weekly. I don't even know how many times in the year 2020 after treatment, I weighed myself if at all, maybe once. Um, and that's exactly what you're saying too. I wasn't focusing on the weight at all. I was never someone to fixate on that number because I think I've heard you say this in another podcast as well that you've done like it's just a number. It, it's just gravity tying you down to the earth. Like literally a number, <laughs> like by a made up, electronic device like it's yeah it, yeah it yeah it, it's not the end all be all so it, yeah. it could, like the scale it, it's a tool like that's that's what it should be exactly yeah it's that's not... how I describe it to my clients as well and it's it's one of so many other factors because like you could show me two different pictures of myself and if I think I look better and healthier in one but I weigh more why am I going to care more about the number you know yeah no, seriously. And like, yeah, and the scale doesn't value your worth. It doesn't like it, yep. it shouldn't, you know, you're, you're worth way more than a number on a, on a scale. So definitely. And uh, the same goes for like when, um, just to go back to orthorexia for a second, sometimes I would obsess over getting 10 K steps a day. It's yep, like too. a classic. And it's like, that is, that is the random number made up. I think it was like a Japanese, um, experiment or something they were doing. I, I read about this, uh, and that number is so arbitrary. Like yep. as long as you're active throughout the day and you don't lay on the couch all day, but Hey, I have those days too. That's cool too. But as long as you, you feel good, then that's what matters. <laughs> right. And I think something I myself have been starting to follow, follow a little bit more is like, there's intuitive eating, but for me, I'm also trying to get into intuitive, like movement, intuitive exercise, mm -hmm. because like, you know, like you said, there are times where, yeah, I'd be so fixated on trying to get 10,000 10, steps a day or uh, when I was deep in my uh, exercise addiction, like hitting like the numbers on my Apple watch, like the move goal on my yeah. Apple watch, like I'd be so obsessed with those. Um, but now 
you know, after years of going through that, I can now recognize, okay, like, do I really want to go for a run, run right now? Do I really want to go work out? Do I really want to go for a walk right now? Or does my, is my brain just telling me to, because I, yeah. I, I ate a little bit too much yesterday or I just like, it's just so hab like it's just become such a habit. But like, when I really think about it, I stop for a second. I think, okay, how am I actually physically feeling right now? Like, am I sore? Am I tired? Am I feeling lethargic? Like if I feel like that, yeah. I'm not going to go. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, sometimes you do, I, I, I love going for walks like, to clear my head and like to clear my, yeah. whatever I'm going through. Like if I'm stressed, not to burn calories, not to work out. Like I, no, that's just like, I don't do that anymore. I, 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 exactly. I move intuitively because, and I, I love working out. I love exercise. Like I, I feel so good mentally after I do it um, yeah. that, that it's, it's one of the best forms of delayed gratification. Um, yes. Yes. 100%. And, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say like one way that I've kind of reframed rather than looking to get steps, especially right now, as I'm on a better path than I was like a month ago, still struggling with my relapse a little bit. I just aim to go on a 15 minute walk in the morning, at least when I wake up uh, and I bring my coffee. And then like you were saying, the nighttime walks are the best. So either right before or right after dinner, I like it as after meals. Cause I feel like it helps me uh, digest. I'll go on a 15 minute walk and that's it. As long as I do like 15 in the morning, 15 at night. Again, not to stress too much about numbers, but that's like the sweet spot for me. That's amazing. And if I want to walk more throughout the day, like awesome. I love listening to podcasts, going on phone calls, anything, just like being outside. But those are just my goals to make sure that my body is functioning well, optimally, especially because like I said, um, I also, with my binge eating disorder, was diagnosed with like severe IBS because I destroyed my gut. Uh, so walking feels great for like digestion and everything too. Right. Yeah. Walking is great for digestion. I, you, yeah. you don't want to be lying down after you have a big meal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, um, wow. I just lost my train of thought for a second. Um, <laughs> wow. That hasn't happened in a long time. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's insane. So, <laughs> um, so you mentioned you started your, um, oh, I remember now. Okay, so awesome. <laughs> so exercise in general in the recovery field, I think gets a bad not doesn't have a bad rep, but I feel like there's a certain stigma around it where yeah. I feel like even if you're in a place where in your like you feel recovered, like you feel so good, you feel like you're in a place where you're comfortable, you can begin exercising, and especially if you're like an online figure, and if you show mm -hmm. that exercise, people will start making assumptions. Um, yeah. Oh, can I get your thoughts on that? Like, how do you feel about that? Cause I, I think exercise, I, like I said, I love exercise. I think exercise is great. Uh, but you yeah. just don't, you want to be able to do it in the healthiest way possible. But I yeah. think, like I said, people will make assumptions if you're, you know, if you've had a rough past with exercise and food before. So can you just kind of debunk some of these stereotypes and myths? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because even in treatment, my therapists and the people at the treatment center did not want me working out at all. And I, I literally am like a little negotiator and I got them to the point where I was like, listen, I've <clears throat> never been someone to hop on a treadmill and try to burn all the calories I ate. That was never me. I just wanted to get into the gym or go somewhere and lift. I just want to move my body. I was a dancer for 17 years. I just want to move. It's how I express myself. It's how I release tension. It's not how I fix things, you know? So, um, 
I begged and begged. And I was like, also, you can't control me. I'm not inpatient. I'm outpatient. So you can't control what I do, which maybe isn't the best. But I was like, I'm going to do it because I know in my heart, it's furthering my recovery. If anything, it's bringing me closer to myself. You know, I'm connecting with myself. It's, it's valuable to me. So, um, from there I was lifting cause it felt good. Um, and from there on, I think what I have to say about all that, and it also ties into someone who might want to track macros after recovering is there's, there's no black and white with anything. So the same way for me, it was like black and white thinking in my orthorexia, you can't, uh, I mean, I guess you can say what you want, but you can't say that every single person who struggles with an eating disorder will not be able to track macros or lift after that. Like, I always go back to the idea, like, there are no rules in this world. We're all just tiny ants floating in the middle of space on a rock. Like, nothing is real. Like, not to get so crazy woo-woo about it, but, like, you can do anything you want, truly. And, like, I said to myself, if I'm going to lift, if I'm going to track my macros, I'm going to do it in a recovered way because this is my life and my way that I want to do it. So I think that's kind of what I have to say about that, like, as long as someone in the same way I went into a prep and I compete in bodybuilding now, like what the heck, it was the same thing. It was like, if I'm going to do this, uh, it's going to be my decision. And, you know, people can think what they want about it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's what I want to do. Uh, and I think it's just being so, so rooted and confident in your decisions and having a really high level of self-trust and self-respect that you'll honor that, uh, I I said that so many times on this podcast. I think it's just something I come back to so much is, you know, no matter what everyone else has to say at the end of the day, listen to your gut when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Beautifully said. And yeah, it just goes back to like, everyone's recovery is different. Like, no, yes, everyone's different. Everyone's journey is different. You just got to do it's what you think will, like you said, further your recovery. Um, Yeah. And, you know, even if recovery isn't a linear process, you still want to, be actively making the strides to um further progress and get to a better state so that was that was very well said um so you you mentioned you now have side side lifts you've been started when you say like january 2021 or no uh 2020 Uh, october yeah october of 2020 so that's almost two years almost two years coming up uh congrats that's that is i know it's crazy um so what makes your account different from other fitness lifting accounts and what makes it kind of like a safer space than than other accounts the biggest thing that comes to mind for me whether it's me as an influencer and a page that people look to or me as a coach or just me as an online presence is that and maybe everyone will say this but I feel that I do it differently is I try to be as real as possible in the sense that I am an influencer, but like, I'm, I'm just Ava. I'm Ava who went to college and was doing that in college. I'm Ava who now at one point had like a corporate job was while also balancing coaching. I'm Ava who, you know, has had all these life experiences and I share it all. It's not uh, curated to look a certain way. It's not what's going to get the most views. It's whatever the heck I want. And I think even that authenticity in just what the actual stuff I post uh, shows that as well. So I don't box myself into a certain niche as well. Like, yes, I lift, but I also share a lot about mental health. And I even do like 
beauty favorite sometimes for some people. Like I'm just Ava and I'm just posting and I hope that makes people feel safe because it's not like, it's not like I look at you as like just Bobby, my friend who does CrossFit, like, and that's it. Like, it's not like I, I come to you just because of that. And, and the same thing with me, people coming to my page. Uh, I don't want them to just come for lifting or, you know, they can gain whatever they want, but I have more to offer than that because it's, it's Ava, my friend, hopefully. Um, exactly. And yeah, that, that's, that's what I think is huge. And also just like you had kind of mentioned previously, I, I hope that I share more about binging than many people do. And I'm hoping to even become comfortable sharing more of that because it's still difficult for me, but like, even my 20 minute sit down video on YouTube, where I just talked about my whole journey. I didn't cut that video once. Like I did not edit it. I just posted it. And I was like, the goal here is for it to feel like a conversation. Like I'm just telling you my story. And you know, if I stumble, if I trip up in my words, okay, I'm human. Anyone would do that whenever, but I'm not going to cut that out because it's, it's real. So that's, that's essentially what I provide. (laughs) That's amazing. The, The authenticity is severely lacking in that industry and yeah. in many fields and industries and social media in general so that, like a- anyone who can be their true authentic selves online is someone I respect tremendously so that's that's amazing and Thank you. of course and now you're at a point <laughs> where you're coaching and you're working with clients and yes um what are some of the the key messages you'd like to send to your clients like the key general messages messages that you send yeah them? absolutely I think um there's so much I could say, and I work with a lot of people uh, who are in college right now, but I have also worked with like moms and stuff. And it's so awesome to see people in different walks of life and be a part of their journeys. Uh, the biggest thing I explain is that I want them to be building habits and uh, becoming comfortable with their themselves and, and that self-trust and respect that I had touched on that I had built for myself so that after working with me, hopefully they don't need another coach because they just have built this lifestyle for themselves. That is a life that they can't wait to wake up to, you know? Um, and also something that I had just posted a couple of days about on my Instagram, because I like to share tips that I share with my clients is uh, one of my clients had said, I can't wait until a year from now, we look back and laugh at like what I was struggling with right now. Uh, she was saying it in like a positive way, like just she can't wait for what's to come. And I was like, I, I love that sentiment so much and that encouragement, but at the same time, don't neglect all the work that you've put in to this point. You know, I could say the same to my thing to myself, but regardless of the fact that I had a relapse post-show, let's say, um, I still fought every day to get out of it. So even if I'm, you know, not thrilled that it happened, I I won't discredit the hard work I took to get to even that point as I had recovered once before and the hard work I took again to recover once again and get out of that. So no matter how far you are along your journey, it's, it's kind of like going back to celebrating the small wins, no matter what you did, like as long as you, you wake up and you're still fighting for yourself, like that's, that's a win in my book. (laughs) Absolutely. It's about the journey, not the destination. So that's, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah, all your clients would be lucky to have you. So that's, that's great. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Um, so the last thing I want to touch on, you kind of just mentioned it here. Uh, the, the real, like the binge eating relapse. Um, yeah. I experienced one as well this year. Um, and one thing I kind of think about, and I want to get your opinion on this too, is like the navigating it as 
someone who preaches all these things such as like you know being like an mm-hmm. eating disorder recovery advocate and like feel, feeling like you're someone that people can look up to but then you experience something as big as biggest and, and heaviest uh, as a relapse and like that yeah that feeling is so uneasy and it's just not even mentioning like you feel like you're erasing all the hard work you put into to yeah uh get out of that original place and now you feel like you're back at rock bottom and you're back at square one but even though you're not it can still feel like it and it's if it, at times it feels like it's even harder at least for me it felt like it, it was even harder to get out of that relapse yeah. state because it's like oh what's the point if I'm just gonna come back here and it's such a shitty menta- it's such a shitty mentality but like that's the place I felt like I was in at times but luckily yeah. I can like now confidently say I'm in like the best place that I've ever been it's been you know almost like six months since I had a binge and like it's it's been a, a long ass time and but like six months ago I didn't see my current reality and like yeah um so can you kind of just go into like how relapsing how that felt and like how you know yeah. like how, how it kind of just talked about like how like you're someone that people can look up to but like you kind of still struggle and like but that's okay you know <laughs> yeah absolutely um well to start it was induced I guess you could say from you know post show but I knew I would have a difficult time with that when I was going into bodybuilding. It wasn't like, I'm going to be so fun. I knew I was going to struggle. I didn't know to this extent, but I think part of that is the toxic um, parameters that surround the idea of the post-show binge in general for bodybuilders. It's almost glamorized and glorified to the point where you're supposed to feel horrible the next few days because you just eat everything. And I think what, I can do better next time around is I fell into this unfortunate habit of like when I was hungry at night during prep, scrolling through food accounts, watching crumble cookie reviews, all of that. And it made it way too much of a reward idea um, coming out of the show. And I've, I've learned the biggest thing that I can say and that I tell everyone for anything in life is it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. So it, it wasn't great that I did that because I think it set me up on a bad trajectory for post-show. But now I know like, that's probably not a good idea to view food, food that way. Um, but in my, you know, relapse, I think what was really hard is this added pressure of expectation on me because I have so many eyes on me. Um, that was so difficult. And I tried to be open about it online. And then I thought maybe just only sharing as much as I felt comfortable with and not pushing myself too much was the best way to help me heal. Um, but I did find interestingly enough, literally this morning, someone who wants to work with me now, uh, she mentioned for coaching, she mentioned to me a big reason that I feel really comfortable with you as a coach is because even not just your authenticity, but I, I know recently you opened up about your relapse and your ability to make everyone else feel less alone and not view you as this God on a pedestal, but just a normal human. And there's nothing wrong with you for, for doing that. That makes me feel like you are actually a personable person that could help me. And so while a lot of people are, I think, afraid to be vulnerable in general, because they think it will make them less credible. Um, and even I struggled with that. This person thought it made me more credible and it made them feel better. And just knowing that I made someone else feel better 
it, it almost makes me feel a little bit better myself about my relapse. Again, not happy it happened, but it's, it's only a mistake if I don't learn for it. And the biggest thing that has gotten me further and further each day in this second recovery is knowing that like it's making me stronger. And I have so much more wisdom now to impart on others and share on this podcast or wherever I go next, uh, because I feel so much more comfortable talking about it and educated about it. 100%, 100%. Um, yeah, like just being able to have, you know, even it sounds so cliche every time I say it, but it's like being able to like make one person feel less alone. Um, yeah. It really goes a long way because there are like binge eating, can feel so isolating uh and and, Mm -hmm. any eating disorder in general you can feel so isolated it feels like you're the only person in the world going through it I thought I was when I was in the depths of it when I was 16 17 years old like I thought it was only me um so just having having the realization that other people go through this it just makes it feel a little bit better like I said like I'm not happy that I went through it um yeah but I wouldn't be where I am today without it um and I just think I'm a stronger person as, as a, as a result of it. Um, so that's, Absolutely. that's great that, that you had the same experience and I know you just kind of touched on it, but if there was any advice you could give to someone who's currently in that relapse phase, if they feel like there's no way out and they feel like they're all alone, like what, what, what would you tell them? Oh, I feel like I'm going to like cry. I'm like emotional. Cause I like <laughs> feel for them. First of all, like you're so not alone. Like I love you, whoever you are. Um, a couple of different things. The first thing is something you said at the beginning of the podcast, which is huge, which is you don't have to hate binging. Like I will be the first person to say like, there's still that euphoric feeling because chemically we get that release of, of dopamine, serotonin, whatever it is to our brain. Like you don't have to hate it, but what, what I hate about it and what makes me upset is what it does to me. So the act of binging, yes, it's fun. Like, I don't want to say that, but like, it's fun, but it's, it's about, you know, recognizing that it does more harm than good. Uh, that's the first thing. And I think also, secondly, is really getting in touch with your hunger cues. So like we were saying, there's a difference between physical hunger and then just at one point, the act of eating brought you a form of comfort. So maybe you're, you're looking for that. So seeing what else you can replace that with. And I know that is like so much easier said than done because I've been there and I've been at that point where I'm on the verge of a binge and I can't even talk myself down because I'm like, screw the mindfulness. Like I, you know, whatever, I'm just going for it. So I get that. And I get that, like what we are saying on this podcast right now might make someone roll their eyes because they're still struggling with that. Like, I, I totally understand that. And I think finding what works for you is so important. And that's a little bit broad. So I'll say like for me, it was getting back on a plan and a routine, not to bring rigidity and control and like too much structure, but just to, to build that, get the ball rolling again for myself. So, you know, it's not sitting on a certain amount of steps and a certain amount of this and that, but 15 minute walk in the morning, 15 minute walk at night. I want to make sure I'm drinking a gallon of water a day because it's good for me. I want to get in the gym and just feel strong and focusing on small habits and small things every day. And you can build up from there, but you're not going to go from binging three times a week to binging never again in your life. Like, you know, focus on the small wins. So if you made it uh, four days without a binge, amazing. Like, don't discredit that. Like, I, I still think every day I don't binge is a celebration. Like that's, it's a celebration of life and being able to wake up early in the morning. And also a huge thing for me, because I personally struggle with 
it most at nighttime is having a sound night's sleep. I will celebrate that the next morning. Like, oh my God, I slept through the night and, you know, no binge. And I, I feel good today. I'm able to wake up and live my life and not, you know, have a, a depressive episode where I'm staying in bed because of it. That's, that's awesome. So that, and then having someone to share that with too, as well. So celebrating that for yourself. But I also, um, if you have someone you can go to, to talk about it, whether it's a friend you trust, a loved one, a family member, anything like that. Personally, for me, it's my stepdad. That's incredible. Incredible. Because even he now will like text me in the morning sometimes and be like, how was last night? And if I can text him all caps, like, let's fucking go. Like I did it. Like I feel good. Like, Like we celebrate together and it's funny, but like, it's, it's really wonderful being able to have someone that cares about you like that too. So those are like three or four tips. <laughs> oh, those are unbelievably amazing tips. Just, yeah. Celebrating the small victories is huge. Yeah. Cause I remember like, even like when I, I guess you'd call it like my, my rock bottom of my relapse, like six months ago, uh, after that, like, after I told myself, all right, this is like, I I'm, I'm fixing this, not fixing this, but like, I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. change this. I'm going to, I'm going to start my path to re-recovering from this. Uh, yeah. yeah, you take it one day at a time. It's like, okay, I went one day, then two days, three, like three days turns into a week. It turns into two weeks, turns into a month. And you're like, like you stop and realize like, oh shit, it's now been three months and I'm been free. Like, this is like insane. So like you take it one day at a time, yeah. you take it small. Cause like, you don't, cause if you look at it with the mindset of, oh, I'm never going to binge again. I'm going to go five, 10 years without a binge. That's just like, it may work, but I think you're better off just taking it one day at a time, one hour at a time, mm-hmm. one meal at a time, one night, yeah. like, you know, like you said, like being able to sleep soundly without it and you wake up and you're like, oh shit, like I actually did it and this is great. Um, yeah. So yeah, just taking it slow one day at a time and having compassion for yourself if indeed yeah. you do have another binge because it it's, it happens like. Yes. It happens. And, and like, the biggest thing that you, you preach to, I just want to add is like, do not restrict. Like when I was still mm-hmm. struggling, I hated hearing this because I was like, no, I want to fix it. Oh, I'm like, poor Ava, if you just knew that if you didn't restrict that one day, that cycle would have been broken. Like just yep. eat normally. Like, oh, this is the, the, one of my favorite slogans that I always say that I should have said earlier, the best way to like get back on track or whatever you want to call it. But the best way to feel normal again is to get back on track or feel normal again. Like you're, you're only going to get back to yourself by getting back to yourself. So anything you do that's out of the norm, whether it's restricting extra cardio, whatever is, is not, it's furthering you from getting back to normal life because you're doing something else. So, you know, eat the normal amount you would eat, do the normal things you would do. And then you're, you're back on track. I know some people don't like that, but quote unquote, whatever you want to call it sooner. (laughs) That's, that's so true. That that's so true. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Um, Well, Ava, thank you so much for all of your incredible insight and sharing your story and being so vulnerable. I, it really does go such a long way. And um, I really appreciate you joining me today. This, is, this was a fascinating conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I loved it. Yeah, of course. You're welcome back anytime. I will link <laughs> all of your social medias in the description. If you're listening to this, give her a follow. She, seriously, you will not regret it. The message she sends, uh, whether you're into fitness or not, you wouldn't want to miss the message that messages that, that she sends out. So I'll link all that in the description. Ava, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bobby podcast. If you found this episode relatable, if you resonated with it in any way, if it made you feel less alone, that's truly amazing. That's incredible. Um, Cause that's the goal of this podcast. I really want to make 
and help others feel less alone, whatever they're going through, because this, this stuff is tough, you know, like ED recovery is tough and I never want anyone to feel alone in this. Cause I know there were times I felt alone. So, um, I never want anyone to feel alone. So if you, um, found this episode enjoyable, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, check out my TikToks. Um, I will leave all those links in the description. I really appreciate you listening. You're all the best. Have a great rest of your day.